Frank, something in you, you know, you were just getting all the promotion all the time, Frank. How did this happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a crazy beginning of the year and I'm kind of scared. I try not to be a superstitious person, but a lot of good things happened in quick succession and I'm a little bit freaked out to be thoroughly honest. So I need to find several charities to donate to and make good with whatever karma spirits are out there. But yeah, it's been a good beginning of the year. We talked last week about a little Apple possible promotion. I've been waking up every morning at 6.30 a.m. checking the App Store and nothing yet. So we will <laughs> we will see what happens. But also, you know, Apple is fascinating because they could be promoting your app in like, in like Italy or something like that. You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, but you, Frank, have had many a projects. I think when you create good software and you create good things that are helpful for people that they want to have, promotion naturally comes, right? And you, how many years ago is this? Three years ago, two years ago, one year ago? Oh, gosh. Well, time doesn't exist. Let's be clear, James. Um, But let's go with three years ago, because if you ask me for real, I'd say like about a year ago, but that's totally not true. But yeah, about three years ago, I decided to write Fugit, or as Miguel would say, Fuget. Fuget, the Pro Nougat Package Browsing website god i haven't updated that copy in three years <laughs> that homepage is exactly what i wrote at 2 a.m one night no i cleaned it up because it was really snarky at one point but i mm-hmm. eventually cleaned it up this is a hacker tool it was always meant to be a hacker tool for hackers and uh, i don't know what the definition of hacker we're using these days but i just mean um people who want to know the details of how systems work so it's a nougat package browser that uh, shows you all the APIs. So if there's a DLL in there, it cracks it open and shows you all the classes and methods inside of it. It imports XML documentation for all those APIs. It has diffing capabilities with different versions of NuGets. And if it's an open source project, it has a code tab where it decompiles the code and displays it in a browser, cross-linking between all sorts of different packages and even Microsoft's own documentation. I don't know how I wrote this thing. It's just, it was produced one day and I was happy. Yeah, I mean, it is it is lovely. So when you go to NuGet, so NuGet is the .NET package manager, similar to NPM, if you're coming from a Node.js world. So uh, I don't want to assume that everybody that is listening to our podcast is a .NET developer, but I imagine that many are because that's our background. But I don't want to, I don't want to make assumptions because that's no good. But um, NPM is a package manager. NuGet's a package manager. CocoaPods, package manager over in the Swift Cocoa world. PyPy over in Python. What is it? It's P-Y-P-I, PyPy. And it's uh, not pronounced any other way. And it's uh, the tool is called PIP. So usually people just call it PIP. I recently did some Python development and I was pipping. Yes. Maybe that's for another podcast. So (laughs) uh, NuGet is more of an explorer. It's the package repository, but when you go to the NuGet website or you're in Visual Studio or VS Code and you're exploring, it's pretty um, lightweight. You know what I mean? It it will show you some a little bit of documentation from a readme. It will show you what dependencies the NuGet package takes on, and it will show you some versions and download numbers and, and some GitHub projects, things like that. But you said, Frank, not good enough. I need I need more. 
Yeah, I need more. Um, so Nougat, the perspective I think they have is that they're showing you the package, not what's inside the package. Yeah. I want to show you what's inside there yeah. and give that a nice browsable UI. And there are tools out there to do it. Um, am I? Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm totally forgetting. But um, there are other Nougat package browser things out there like Visual Studio add-ins, that kind of stuff. What I thought, though, was I kind of wanted a website. <laughs> you know, I wanted something that I could hit very easily, not make sure it's installed on my computer, not have to worry about updates. You know, I love apps. I <laughs> Apps are great. You can take full advantage of the computer and everything. But it, when it comes to documents and documentation, guess what the web is really good at? So um, I wanted the convenience of a website. And... I just thought um, the way to make it most convenient would be just copy everything about Nougat, like their URL scheme and everything. I got a name as close to theirs as I could get. And then um, so it, it's down to whatever you're on Nougat, you could go up to the menu, up to your address bar and switch the N to an F. And it would give you my version of uh, what's inside the package, not just the package. Yeah, it's super cool. So you can go and you can say Xamarin Forms. You can search for packages here. For example, I am literally inside of the button class. I can see the source code without having to go to the source code in the browser, like you said. Um, I can see the documentation that came on in. And links, when I the links, well, I'm just so proud of the reference, the reference linking. I'm sorry. I just have to keep bringing it up. It was hard. And it's a big reason why the server keeps crashing, but it's worth it. <laughs> well, you know, that really brings us to today's point, which is, you know, Fugit was always this thing that was out into the world and some people knew about it. Some people didn't. And there's advantages when you're, when you're deep in the code and you're like, oh, I'm updating this package. What's in it? What are all the classes? Um, there wasn't anything that helps and Nougat came or Fugit came in to sort of help that. However, unless you knew about it, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, you know, where's it at? So now though, there is a button. There's a link <laughs> on every single Nougat page that says open in the Fugit package explorer. That's your website, Frank. And when you tap on it, it goes from a Microsoft property to your website. It freaks me out every time. I really can't even look at it to be thoroughly honest. Whenever I see it out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, is there a bug? Is there like some script running or something. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, the Microsoft people are pretty awesome. I remember in the early days, for every package, there's a little bar up there that tells you like how to install it into your project and that kind of stuff. And they used to just show one bar there or one way to do it. And the packet people were like, hey, we got this huge open source project. A lot of people are using it. It'd be great to get the packet thing in. And Microsoft was a little pushing back. They're like, eh, we're trying to keep this experience refined and clear. But I think they finally came around to the idea of, oh, gosh, darn, <laughs> this is a really community-driven thing here. Um, and they've almost taken a complete U-turn to the point where I'm just freaking out a little at how much they've integrated with the community. I totally considered Fugit like a little weird one-off for people who, who kind of are lucky enough to find it. But um, they just put a link to it, James. It's just blowing my mind, honestly. And it, it was neat because uh, I was actually emailed about this. I can't 
think of time. Time time is gone. But let's say some Microsoft people emailed me. They said, what do you think about this link? And this, I think, was in response to Chris from the F-Sharp community Mm. had done a pull request against the site or something. I don't know how any of this open stuff source works, James. I'm just realizing this now. The community works at scale that I don't comprehend. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. I re- I do remember that. And I remember someone coming to me. This is, we were in the office still. So this was pre-pandemic. And they're like, you know, Frank, I, I know, I know a character named Frank. That is correct. <laughs> I've heard of this Frank Kruger before uh and i think that i just can't i can't imagine any conversation going well that starts with you know frank right was there like just while they were were they shaking their head while they said that <laughs> no no i think it was all positive you know microsoft we we run we run on trust and we're super happy people and uh we love everybody and that's pretty much it They're like whoa frank made this awesome thing like how do we make it so people that are using the website can you know find really cool things. I think when you talk about, oh, there's packet stuff, there's package manager done at CLI, there's F sharp interactive, like there's different documentation. They're like, I think they were thinking about like, how do they open it up even more? Like meet developers where they're at and what they need. And not everyone needs Fugit, right? But there's definitely people, as we will talk about later, a growing population of people that want to know more, right? Even if you install the package, it's just fun to browse around and see stuff and see how it's built and see what's in it. And navigate around so you some of the guess i guess it happened this year you, there was a button that showed up and it's there like the button is there frank it's a button it's a button to frank's website <laughs> it is and um i'll be honest i didn't quite take them seriously at first because <laughs> they emailed me and they're like hey frank uh we're thinking about linking to you and i'm like haha good joke and they said uh do you think your server could handle it i'm like mm. probably not um, but I'll babysit it if you link to me. And they're like, cool, cool. And then didn't hear from them for a couple months. And then they emailed me and they're like, hey, so uh, what's your icon? And James, talk about lessons learned. Lesson one, I should have paid for a graphic designer to make yes. me a nice icon when they emailed me just then. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm like, no, no, that, that box I drew at 3 a.m., while completely sleep deprived is totally what I want you to post. And so <laughs> the official Fugit icon became this gray box that I drew. Probably half delirious. <laughs> yes, it is a it's a box, Frank. It's definitely it's a, a package, box. you know, like a box. Oh. Do you get the metaphor? It's a little deep. Should I explain it some more? No, you do not need to explain it anymore, Frank. <laughs> so lessons, first, first lesson learned, when Microsoft emails you, they're probably not joking. Second lesson learned is um, if they want an icon, say it'll take me an hour and quickly hire someone to draw you an icon. <laughs> um, we, we do move fast on, on some things. And, and in this case, you know, where you have your website, they don't need to know right away. They can add it at any time. You know what I mean? That's the cool part is it's a website (laughs) that's going to integrate to another website. That's a very simple link. And how you made it is very, very easy. But, you know, you went with the box, um, you know, and and it's three shades of gray. So... It's like the Nintendo logo. I thought you would appreciate that. I just took the color away. (laughs) Yeah, It's the GameCube logo. All right, all right, okay. I was great at drawing the GameCube logo. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a great cube, Frank. It is three sides. It's three sides visible, six sides total. So is this when I announced the graphic design contest for Fugit <laughs> to give it a better icon? No, I'll just, I'll, I'll pay someone. Either one. If you want to donate some art, feel free. It is open source on GitHub. So I want to talk about though today, because this happened at the beginning of the, of the, of the year. And, you know, you built this website. It's built completely with ASP.NET Core. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what it's actually running on the server, I find a little bit confusing. I'm not actually very good at Azure, James. I think that's very clear in this podcast. Um, so it's running either .NET Core 2, 3, or 5. It's, it's one of those. Aren't I being specific? I'm, I'm going to guess 3, though. <laughs> it's specifically running 2.1, which uh, oh. <laughs> I will tell you. <laughs> You, time to update, Frank, because you're going to run an LTS at some point. Um, oh, I think it's out already, isn't it? Two? Uh, no, 2.1. Great question, and I'm glad that you asked. I thought they were doing like a three-year... 3.1 <laughs> is the LTS. This is a good... Um, there's a, there's yeah. a dot, dot, Remind net. me, James. You just Geo- claim to work for this company. You better get this right. Oh, gosh. Okay, here we go. Dot, dot, net. Um, it is supported end of life August 21st, 2021. Well, I got till August. <laughs> um, and then you can move to .NET Core 3.1, which would be December 3rd, 2022. So you probably want to, I will say this though, I think that you would just want to skip to .NET 5 or even .NET 6 preview because um, from my understanding, the performance gains that you will get will be astronomical, especially between two and three, but especially between three and five. Yes, I've heard that too. Um, .NET 5, they just keep bragging about how fast it is and making me feel a bad about me not being able to click a box in Azure. Just keep rubbing it in. <laughs> um, and it's fine too, because I made a lot of uh, conscientious decisions about maintainability on this app in that I didn't use any fancy fame frameworks. It's ASP.NET, MVC, Razor Pages, just because it's basically running PHP. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful dev experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's absolutely nothing fancy in the website. So it'll actually pour over just fine, you know, like no big deal. There's like not a lot to this website, by the way. There's like two controllers. What is going on? I pride on myself website? on that. You know what the deal is? Less code, less bugs. That's just how it is. <laughs> it's, so, you know, it's minimal. If, if, if oh, there's so little, there's so little code, why doesn't every site do this? You know, that's what kind of drives me nuts. Mm. It's like, look, I wrote this at 2 a.m. while delirious. So everyone else just do it. Anyway, <laughs> side tangent. Um, it's it's um, very clean code, uh, so I don't think it'll have any trouble porting over. Now, they do sometimes change that startup.cs on you. Those ASP.NET people, they like to change that startup CS, mm-hmm. but everything else will probably work just fine. They have. I've recently done some 2.1 to 3.1 uh, migrations, and here's the pro tip before we get into um, what I want to talk about today. <laughs> I'm going to talk about all this, but there's a specific topic I want to talk about. The, what I like to do is I like to do file new project. And then I just like to bring up two IDEs side by side with my old project and my new project. I'm like, Hmm, okay. What changed? And then just copy and paste things over. That's kind of what I do. 
Um, uh, because I do that all the time. I do that all. The, I create a temporary directory, then I create a directory that's the exact name of mine, .NET new, and mm-hmm. then I drag the CS project back to wherever I need it to be. Mm-hmm. Because like the cool thing about the modern CS project format is most stuff is implied. So I think it's easier to do that quick merge because I have very few changes to it. So yeah, that'll definitely be the way I do it. In fact, this is kind of hilarious and uh, shows how great of a open source maintainer I am. Um, there are two open PRs. One, targeting it to .NET Core 3.1. Very, very helpful. Thank you. Another one, targeting it to .NET 5.0. <clears throat> Posted a year later. So, you know, we got options here. <laughs> I like that. And and the fun part here is that it is very minimal, by the way. Like the, the changes to the code, and it's the same person that made the same PRs, by the way, um, which I love. Yeah. Bradley, uh, Bradley Granger. Shout out from Bellingham. Hey, Bradley. Wow. Very cool. Nice. Local. I like that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, Frank, you need to, you, need to, you, you know what you could do is you could do like a, beta.fugit.org which has like is the site but running on .NET Core 5. Oh, I I I hate complexity, James. Like so you know, if I was like if this was my business, I would totally be a little more serious about it. That's what the Microsoft link kind of freaked freaked me out about a little bit cuz I was like if the site goes down, I don't care, you know. It'll it'll come back up, but with Microsoft, I feel a little sense of responsibility, or at least I don't want to make a fool of myself in front of the Microsoft people, you know? Uh, so uh, I care a bit more about that kind of stuff now because it all just got so serious all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> but ever since the beginning, it's had great open source contributions from people, and I've really appreciated it. You know, it's one thing to open source a project and no one ever looks at it. It's just you deving on it. And I have lots of projects like that. The majority of my open source projects are like that. But um, this one was popular kind of from the beginning with hackers and hackers like to do code changes. So I've gotten a lot of contributions out there. This is all my way of saying, although I have seven open PRs, I have 42 closed. So I don't feel too bad as a maintainer. But I do have 59 open issues, so I am a terrible maintainer. That's good. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Well, let's take a quick break and thank our amazing sponsor this week, Web Atoms, because we're talking about web development. And, you know, maybe you want to, I don't know, use some TypeScript, some JavaScript in your Xamarin Forms app. Isn't that crazy? And wouldn't that be awesome? Well, you can with Web Atoms. It is a JavaScript bridge for Xamarin Forms. Not only can you use normal JavaScript and JSX, but you can use TypeScript too for Xamarin Forms, which means you can build out your entire mobile app and your website and everything like that in TypeScript or just straight JavaScript. You can have your C-sharp talk to your JavaScript, or your TypeScript back and forth. You can even do hot reloading of your application in production because it's all JavaScript-y. It's interpreted. It's just like um, that really core Cordova stuff and React Native stuff that you have, but you can do that inside of your Xamarin Forms app. It has all the things that you know and love from normal Xamarin Forms development, such as one-way and two-way data binding, dependency injection, internationalization, unit testing. It is absolutely awesome. So if you're a web developer and you're like, hey, I'm looking to build a mobile app or you're a mobile app developer looking to infuse a little JavaScript or TypeScript in 
to your application, check out Web Atoms. They have a full playground, so you can play around on their website and just try it out. You know, that's cool. Let's try stuff right in the browser. Go to Web Atoms, W-E-B-A-T-O-M-S dot in dot I-N. And you can find that link down in our show notes. Definitely check it out. I've been checking it out, playing around in their playground. It's fun to just see the capabilities of leveraging all sorts of fun code everywhere where you want to be. So check them out at webadams.in. And thanks to WebAdams for sponsoring this week's pod. Thanks, WebAdams. And gosh, aren't like JavaScript, JavaScript playgrounds the best? That's Thanks. one thing where web tech is awesome. Boom, press a button and boom, you're doing stuff. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, try it on that. I mean, it's cool stuff too. There's lots of cool stuff. I love to just learn in the browser. And you know, that's why code spaces, I think, really just entices me too. You know, when you see that mm-hmm. stuff. One day. It's all going to be, <laughs> there's going to be a whole, I'm hoping for a whole hybrid type of things like work online, offline, just leverage the cloud. Anyways, Frank, your stuff is in the cloud. What I wanted to talk about for the other half of this is sort of lessons learned because you were sort of talking to me before the pod, which is, hey, everything's sort of 10x when Microsoft put a link on nougat.org and that has some serious implications. I mean, I remember when my website and one of my blog posts got featured on Hacker News. And I was like, I'm not even hosting the website myself, but I'm like, I, I hope that ghost doesn't go down. My blog that gets, <laughs> you know, 20,000 views a month. You know what I mean? No, oh, no, like this is getting 5,000 views. I hope the internet doesn't crash. But it, you know, freaks you out when all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where did those, where did those views come from? And I hope that I can scale appropriately. So I wanted to kind of know where you were at, you know, you're not, you said you weren't like an Azure deployment expert, but I was kind of wondering any lessons learned. Like, did you have to scale up? Did it happen? Did you have to make changes to the website? Did the thing go down? Like what's the, what's the, um, lessons learned here on Fugit and, and, um, you know, I think this happens in, (laughs) by the way, this is for any random promotion, right? Because if Apple, like we talked about last week, promotes iCircuit 3D, you're going to see an influx of everything, right? So this is the lessons learned, but it's been a few months. So where are we at, Frank? In my day, they called it being slash dot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the internet, huh? Uh, So while I am not great at Azure, I am really good at writing websites. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> to my own. Own. I don't know. I've been doing it since like the 90s. I, we were running websites on 166 megahertz machines, like over bad connections. Mm-hmm. It's easy to make a fast website as long as you like pay attention to a few things. But I cheated. That's the way you make something fast. You cheat, James. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let's see. We'll start with lessons learned, I guess, but I'm going to break it up a bit because I was telling you before the show that I don't I don't really think of it that way, but I, I'm sure they'll come to me. But one lesson um, that I've had throughout the server was this is an intrackable problem. It is impossible to do what I am trying to do. I am trying to interlink a million packages that are potentially, you know, I don't know how big Nougat is, but it feels like there are 8 billion packages on it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like each one of them is 100 megabytes. Um, I don't know why. They're all huge. <laughs> um, so one machine has to create a network, de- download all of that, decompress them, interlink them, track versions. It is an insane amount of memory. It is an in- You would build a data center to solve this problem correctly, to be thoroughly honest. 
or I guess today a Kubernetes, whatever the heck. Um, <laughs> but instead, I'm using a minimum tier server on Azure. <laughs> so, okay. Well, it's not the minimum tier. The, the super minimum tier on Azure is like what they call it the dev tier or they it's like the gray tier they're like don't 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 use this please don't use this but it's the one that includes like the free one and also like the 20 dollar one or something like that Mm -hmm. i'm on the like 40 or 50 dollar a month one okay but that's a good machine it is hundreds if not thousands times faster than the machines i first wrote websites on and so uh lesson learned one i guess is good web tech is always good web tech um keep the site simple don't do anything complicated i'm not hitting a database i'm doing everything in memory Mm. lesson two is if the problem is impossible to solve try to do it anyway and if you crash just make sure the server restarts who cares so, yes, Fugit attempts to download the entire internet and interlink everything. But I designed it to be simple enough to just constantly crash and be able to pick itself back up because I knew that the problem it was solving was far too big for the kind of hardware I was going to run it on. So instead, I said, who cares? Azure is really good at restarting instances. So I'm just going to run this machine until it dies and then let it restart itself. And move on with life. Simple. Gotcha. So you're not, you know, creating a table storage or storing data or doing, you know, you know, if, if someone types in Xamarin forms, you're not just randomly storing all this metadata for forever, basically, right. and running up a bill yeah. that will exponentially get larger over time. You're just saying, hey, if James and Frank go and type on Xamarin forms and it happens to be in the memory cache, then use that. Yep, exactly. Um, I severely abused the built-in ASP.NET memory cache to the point where I was talking to one of the ASP.NET architects and I was like, hey, this is how I'm using the cache. And they're like, don't do that. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so, But you know what? It works and it works the way I kind of want it to. Uh, but every so often when you're running the website, you'll see an out of memory error. And that is up for approximately the five minutes it takes for Azure to realize that the computer has turned into a zombie for it to kill it and then bring it back up. If I was to do this a little more at web scale, I would do probably the chaos monkey approach, have just two computers up, but have um, another process just randomly killing one all the time. And that would just kind of solve the problem that way. So that would be my scale up solution. I Like I said, I can't properly scale this up. This is a huge problem. NuGet is huge servers at Microsoft run by professionals. I can't compete with that. What I can do instead is just be tricky with software. I guess that's my next question is, you know, you had obviously an influx of people, you know, using the website and still continuously do and will for the foreseeable future. You know, in Azure, there's the ability, I'm not going to say only in Azure, but in, in many of things on, on the, on the interwebs of these amazing clouds that are up there, Mm -hmm. you can, you can scale. So you could have multi instance, right? So you could say, Hey, scale up, or you could even say scale up on demand, right? Just auto scale, um, as needed. Have you, have you looked into that in your app service? Because there's a 
there's two things. Okay. There's scale up and scale out. So those are two different things, obviously. Um, and so you're on an S one bucket. That's what we're going to say right now, which is $43 and 80 cents a month, which is, I don't know what even ACU is 100 total ACU, 1.75 gigs of memory. (laughs) They keep it vague. (laughs) Yeah. It's a thing. And, and that's the cheapest of the production, by the way. So the, the S one, that's pretty cheap to be running this thing on. And with that, you do get auto scale, you get backups, you get staging slots, you get SSL and you could, you could scale up, right? You could scale up to multiple instances of this thing. Yes. Uh, right. So I'm sorry if, if no one's familiar, the, the easier way to think of this is scale up is a more powerful machine. Scale out is more machines. That is correct. Easier, easiest way to think of it. So um, given that its design, given the fact that Fugit is basically a stateless web server, aside from its memory cache, it would benefit hugely from more RAM. It really doesn't need anything else. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not really doing some number crunching. It is technically opening .NET files and scanning through, like the metadata and all that. But that's mostly string manipulations, just shuffling stuff around in memory. Again, memory. So it's just how much can it get into memory and the swap? I should say. Obviously, there's a swap on these machines. Uh, how much can it flood those before the machine just dies? <laughs> mm-hmm. So there would be a huge benefit to me getting a machine with more RAM. The trick with the Clude is it's not always easy to say, I only want to upgrade this one metric. Because when you scale up a machine, they tend to try to give you like more hard drive space or, I don't know, more whatever, processors or something like that. Stuff that's kind of irrelevant to... Um, I wanted to say a proper website, but that's sounding terrible. I'm not going to say that on a podcast. That's terrible to a website that doesn't need to talk to other machines that often. Like it's not synchronizing with a database or anything like that. Anyway, so yes, um, I can definitely scale up, but I would never, ever, ever auto scale. Can you guess why, James? Um, I don't know why. I mean, it seems like you would want it to automatically. Well, because in your instance, it's in memory, so it would continuously scale up forever. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> you because... could scale. You could scale <laughs> out then, right? You could have two machines. No. Oh, the, I'm sorry. What I was talking about was auto scale. Usually, when you do auto scale, that is auto scale out. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I don't know of anyone that does auto scale up, but Ew. that might be a thing. Uh, so it's always usually more machines. But again, it comes down to the problem is much bigger than even just five machines it's bigger Mm -hmm. than 10 machines so if you had um a system that actually expanded to the problem size it would be huge and i'm not going to pay for that the alternative is you have one that brings up a machine when there's heavy traffic Mm -hmm. uh like a spike in traffic but that's not the kind of website this is this is a date people using it during the work week not on the weekends and, you know, the .NET community, we're large and we're strong and people click on that NuGet link, but we're not the size of like TikTok or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it's fine. Um, there, there's no need for that. The way I would scale out is what I was saying before is have two machines mm. only so that I can kill one and keep 
servicing requests while that one is rebooting. And that's the only reason I would have two machines. So you really need that scale out feature. So when one dies, the other one's around happy dealing with traffic and then the other one comes back up and bingo, bango. And you can say, only give me the max of two instances and you're good to go. I mean, by the way, the whole fact that we're talking about auto scaling and upgrading things like with a click of a button is also magical. Like that's just a magical thing that happens, right? It's crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah as, especially since I spent a good part of my early career building infrastructure to run large networks to build like this kind of scale out stuff. So it's funny. I used to write this kind of infrastructure stuff and now I'm like, bad at using it because i'm bad at web uis <laughs> but i'm like you know if you let me just code it i could figure this out <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh it's it's been great because uh traffic was pretty low before microsoft linked to me so everything i just said was perfectly fine um but then it's like 10 15 x now mm-hmm. And I know like people are sending me bug reports and even someone on the ASP.net team said, Hey, I might have a couple PRs to uh, speed some things up and Fugit for you. And I'm like, I am here for this. (laughs) Please ASP.net programmer (laughs) fix my website. But uh, I haven't seen their PR yet. So we'll see. (laughs) That's pretty neat though. I mean, I think that's a really cool sort of, um, you know, part of it being open source and being collaborative. And when other people find it nifty, they actively want to, you know, work on it and promote it and, and help out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like I said, even from day one, I had that community engagement, which was so surprising because who wants to work on a website, but it turns out lots of people want to work on a website. Uh, the other benefit that I had, this is always a pro tip in open source. I made sure that you could run the website by running by typing .NET run, like nothing else. You don't have to install anything, do any weird configurations. It's always best if you just make it easy to run on people's local machines, and then you get contributions because you can't contribute if it's not easy to build and run. And thankfully, we've kind of nailed that in .NET lately. Like, mm-hmm. unless you're doing something super crazy, .NET build and .NET run just tend to work these days. And gosh, with .NET 6, if that stuff works, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm really excited about the potential of just being able to simplify the getting started process or being able to pull down something or even like, you know, open it in code spaces. I've said it before. And, mm-hmm. you know, imagine you don't even have to hit .NET run. You just like click a button and it's like running in the browser and like some machine is handling something magically for you. And uh, that to me is, is uh, a magical moment, I would say. Yeah, and uh, I should just take this moment to yell at all the programmers for not programming enough on the weekends. I need to get my view counts up because James is making me monetize the website. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I've actually always planned to put ads on Fugit for the longest time. But you know me, I, I have lots of plans and I never get to them. But you've been encouraging me to get some nice, quality, subtle, developer-focused ads up on the website. So. You might see that coming. The servers do not pay for themselves, Frank. <laughs> they don't. They don't. And with the extra money, I might actually be able to pay for the two servers and get that dream of not getting that out of memory error anymore. That's kind of a good lesson learned, right? I mean, when when you end up putting out any piece of um, software, whether it's a website, a mobile app, and it uses a backend of any sort, right? Um, there are costs associated with that. And 
monetizing is not a bad thing. You know, it's not, uh, sometimes it's a necessary evil in some cases. And in this case, it could make the entire thing better because Frank, your bank account is not endless. I assume, I mean, maybe (laughs) it is, I don't know. Um, but, but, uh, in this case you could actually be reinvesting the money and that could be part of it. It's like, oh, people go, like, why did you put ads on it? Well, it's like, well, cause I wanted to make the website faster. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's, that's a neat thing that could really come from this. And you could be really tasteful about it because you know, your audience of this website, which is also ideal. It's true. <laughs> we are such a community. It's great. I love seeing, uh, when, especially when uh, people I know on Twitter show up, they're like, hey, I have a PR. You haven't accepted it. <laughs> Go get my PR. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll get to it. I get to it. I love the community aspect of all that. And um, honestly, it, it is a little bit fun maintaining a website. I've been bragging a lot about all my website experience in the past and everything, but I don't run websites for a reason. I find them very stressful. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot maintaining this stuff. But um, having the community so excited about it, having it be an actual, like, useful tool. I get emails from people a lot saying, hey, it's just useful. Thank you for that. And that just makes it worth working on. And then recognition from Microsoft. Um, pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. I like it. Just got to keep that server up. Got to gotta put a pager on so it texts me anytime the server crashes, which is roughly every Wednesday around noon. <laughs> I wish I, will, I should track that, actually, the crash count. <laughs> that will definitely be a lesson learned when we come back maybe a year from now to understand what else oh. has gone awry. Sorry, I know we're, we're we're trying to wrap up, but I just want to throw in one other little factoid because this is important to the website staying up um, for those out there. Um, I also put Cloudflare in front of it, which mm. in no part, uh, which in every part helps this website um, because it drastically decreases the load that the server server has to do. There is a in-between server that's doing a lot of caching. What do you call that? caching server i don't know what they call yeah. it caching server yeah yeah caching server and i i i heard of like even in the early stack overflow days they said going from zero cache to even like three seconds cache drastically decreased their server load mm-hmm. and so i have something like um i have like a 24 hour cache to like even like a couple days cache because packages don't change so um i can cache this stuff a lot so i guess that's a pro tip if you're building a website make sure it caches easily so that you don't have to take all the server load you can let another service another cloud handle it yeah i get some of the updated um, stuff from cloudflare because i also have cloudflare on all my sites and they're like the caching analytics are just like we've saved you 8.52 gigabytes of data. You're like, oh my goodness. Like, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, bro. Yeah. And I don't care about the data. I care about this, the CPU, like the, you know, uh, my memory, you know, what that's taking. Mm -hmm. And so this benefits, like, if everyone goes to the website to look at newtonsoft.json, then my server barely notices (laughs) because it's only seeing that request a couple times. It's pretty nice. That's super nice. 
Oh, Frank, Frank, Frank. All right, buddy. Well, I think that's going to do it. I want to know more later on once you've you know, monetized it, upscaled, <laughs> done a bunch of stuff. You know, I think there's a lot of good opportunities here to talk more about web. We don't talk about web all that often and, you know, we can uh, give it a little love. I'm excited for the .NET 5 migration. I think it's going to be like a .NET 5, .NET 6 migration. Like, how did that go? Was Were there server costs? Like, what were the implications? That's the next episode, I think, Frank. Yeah, we can totally do that. It'll be called Frank clicks around randomly in Azure and tries not to break the server. I should probably like spin up a second machine and just do it that way, huh? Yes. I don't know. Or do it at midnight. I don't know which one. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Check out Fugit. I'll put all the links down there. And of course, you can just go to Nougat, click on anything, and there's a big button there. Go give that a give it a look and also check it out on GitHub, if you want to follow along on the .NET 6 migration that Frank is going to go through. And don't forget that we have a updated Patreon at patreon.com slash mergeconflict.fm. Um, you can go to mergeconflict.fm, click a button, or it's down in the show notes too. But we put out bonus episodes every single week. We just had a super fun one about Mars. You definitely don't want to miss that. At any tier, you get that. And of course, it supports the show to pay for our server costs, Frank. By the way, that's what it does. Um, and... Also, we'll be having new swag soon, which is super cool. And you get every single podcast early. So as soon as I'm done editing, I upload it and you're good to go. So you definitely want to check that out. Go to patreon.com slash merge conflict FM, whatever it is. It's, a, it's down in the show notes. Click on the thing. We appreciate everyone for listening and for being with us. If you have any questions, definitely feel free to reach out at mergeconflict.fm. Hit us up on Twitter. You know what to do. So until next time, this has been another Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.